Well, howdy. In today's episode of Taxpayer Talks, we cover the projected state surplus and how that can be used to provide actual property tax relief in the upcoming legislative session. We talk about the recently passed and purposely misnamed Inflation Reduction Act and its impact on Texas taxpayers. And then lastly, we cover the cost of the ongoing busing stunt by Texas Governor Greg Abbott in response to the federal government's inaction on the Texas-Mexico border. Stay tuned. Welcome to Taxpayer Talks with Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. I am Tim Harden, uh, President, and this is Jeremy Kitchen, our Executive Director. How you doing, Jeremy? Howdy, howdy. How's it going? It's going good. So this is our first podcast. Uh, I think we should briefly talk about, you know, why, why we're starting the podcast and uh, what we're seeking to accomplish with it, Jeremy. Sure. I think, like, ultimately, right, we just want to take very complicated issues and kind of roll them up, things that are important for Texas taxpayers to know, right, on a week-to-week basis, roll them up and talk about them, obviously kind of give our commentary and take on it, uh, since we try to pay as close attention as possible to these things on the local, state, and federal level, and just try to say, hey, this is why it's relevant to you, the taxpayer, right, as best we can, so... Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, what what I've learned talking to taxpayers is uh, it's hard enough uh, paying attention to to local politics and state politics, much less things uh, as monotonous as the budget yeah. or property taxes. And so uh, this gives us an opportunity to kind of condense down uh, an amazing amount of information uh, and, and give it to taxpayers uh, in a, a short format uh, where we can understand exactly what our state and even the federal level is doing. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how, how's your week been? What have you been working on? Uh, everything's been good. I've been trying to kind of wrap, to, you know, wrap my head around. So as you know, right, the state budget process um, has kind of kicked off a little bit. You have the Legislative Budget Board currently asking agencies, right, what it is uh, they think they should be funded at uh, this next legislative session. So um, kind of getting prepared for that process to really start off. And then, um, as you know, right, and I, we've been speaking around the state. And so I was in Webster last week or the week before, and we talked about things like property taxes, the legislative process, the free market enterprise uh, versus, you know, kind of collectivist or socialist um, ideas. So that was a lot of fun. What about you? Uh, awesome. I've been uh, working on, I just finished an article uh, talking about the school rating system and how we have decided to remove uh, our D and failing grades, and now they are not rated. So um, we are not really sure what they're doing there. Um, I do have a speaking engagement coming up, uh, True Texas Project this weekend. I'm speaking on Friday night. I believe we're doing certification class, and then Saturday morning we are presenting uh, about capitalism and socialism. So if you're in the DFW area, I believe it's in Coppell, you can check with the True Texas Project website to see times. Uh, and then I believe Monday I'm going to Bonham with Convention of the States, and I'm going to be speaking about the legislative process uh, and speaking on my experience and time in the legislature as well. All right, Jeremy, well, let's get into some articles. Uh, look what's going on in the state and on the federal level. Uh, first up, uh, we have a recent article written by Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. Uh, Abbott, of course, uh, I believe he was in South Texas, and he forecasted or said that he is expecting the biggest property tax cut in Texas history. Now, the article I wrote 
um, kind of talked about. We don't really know what that means. But the bigger the bigger thing we really need to talk about is the idea of this surplus, the state surplus, uh, and what exactly our legislators are going to do. Could you explain kind of what's going on with the surplus, Jeremy? Sure. So I think first off, right, we should say that any state surplus is an overcollection, right, of tax, Texas taxpayer dollars, right? Like kind of start from that premise there. Um, obviously, the, the state budgets, right, on a biennial basis every two years uh, since they only meet once every two years. Um, so taking that all into account, right, the comptroller, the state comptroller, Glenn Hager, um, has now multiple times kind of given an update as to what he projects, right, a state surplus to look like. Um, And all of those times, that update, that that projected surplus has grown more and more, uh, or, or larger and larger, if you will. And it's at the point now where he's projecting that it's potentially $27 billion, um, you know, basically over the baseline of what uh, lawmakers allocated last go around. Um, and so uh, the assumption there, of course, bringing you back to what you talked about for Abbott, right? He spoke in, uh, I think it was the San Angelo, the West Texas Legislative Summit, out there and bring it back to that. I, my, the assumption, right, is he didn't give a lot of details that he would be using some segment or portion of said surplus uh, to either provide a tax cut or to uh, buy down a portion of property taxes, if I understand correctly. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, for those who uh, aren't familiar with the history of what has happened with the surplus, at the end of last legislative session in 2021, uh, the controller was uh, estimating, I think, around eight billion right. uh, in the fall. I think he updated it up to about uh, thirteen billion. And then, very recently in July, I believe, yeah. he came out and said twenty-seven billion in yeah. surplus. And we, when they first announced that eight billion, we started talking about how we should use this entire surplus for property tax relief. Uh, Back in the, uh, I believe, second special, it was uh, Representative Tom Oliverson who had a bill that would have taken 90% of ongoing surpluses and pay down on school M&O compression rates until they are zero. So this would basically statutorily tie tie legislators' hands until we were able to eliminate the M&O or the maintenance and operation portion of the school property tax. We love the bill. We supported it. We're hopeful that he brings it again. But as the surplus has grown uh, from our you know, standpoint, it's like, hey, we can really make yeah. a dent in property taxes this go around if we were to use you know, 90% or even we would advocate 100% of sure. that because it's not even the government's money. It is our money. Uh, like you said, you know, they're, they're not a for-profit business. Uh, they are nonprofit. They are right. a, uh, a state entity. And so what we would like to see is as much of that as possible. Uh, What has been going on lately is uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, I believe, came out and said that they they might use something like $4 billion, which is super lackluster, not exciting at all. Uh, We wrote an article not too long ago that we're we're speculating. We don't know, uh, but we're speculating based on what we've heard that a lot of that money has already been spent uh, or or in the budgetary process. And so you have roughly about $12 billion dollars. Uh, that we have left to work with if all of those rumors are true. I I hope they're not. I hope we can use more of that. 
Um, but we, we do think that the surplus is the best chance for taxpayers to actually get some relief, especially in the season right now in, in property taxes where a lot of people, uh, some are getting that no new revenue rate on the yeah. local level, some are not, but almost everyone is, is flabbergasted at their, their property tax bills, and everyone's just hoping uh, that our lawmakers are able to do something to, to help us out. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest takeaway from all this, right, is that like in the past, Taxpayers keep getting promised relief from tip, right? From, from exponentially growing property taxes. And to be frank, right? Like the rate of growth in the state, obviously, right? Comes with its own challenges. And one of those challenges seems to be that property taxes are just skyrocketing. And the quote relief that they've been providing just isn't, it's, it's a drop in the bucket, right? It's, it, I wouldn't even call it relief, uh, to be frank. And, and they have an opportunity going into this next legislative session with this budget surplus to actually provide relief and put us on a path towards its its overall elimination right so yeah i think you know as we've we've said many times in our articles and with the the texas prosperity plan the strategy has been slow the growth right and even when they say hey we are providing relief or this is historic property tax relief the reality is our bills keep going up uh, no one's bills are going down uh whether it's uh you know inflation or or high gas prices or, or whatever you name it, taxpayers are being crushed. And when we hear relief, we expect our bill to go down. Right. Um, right. So speaking of the federal level, let's uh, let's switch gears there and uh, focus on what Biden just did. Sure. I believe it was Tuesday he signed into law the Inflation Reduction <laughs> Act. Um, that uh, most of us would argue is not going to in, uh, decrease inflation. It's actually probably going to make it worse. Sure. Uh, what is your take on this, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, I think if if you're to, to believe, I, I think it was 200, over 200, right, kind of renowned economists from all across the United States have come out against this bill. Now, of course, you know, already been approved by Congress and, and signed by Biden. You know, like you've got... To, you, you had the, their own agencies, right, charged with reviewing the bills and providing analysis at the congressional level, basically saying this won't do anything for inflation. Um, and, you know, Democrats, I believe it was purely partisan, right? Democrats just kind of ran this through um, Congress. And there's a whole bunch of just, you know, give, to, giveaways to, to green energy, right, as you talked about. Uh, this is the thing that caught a lot of people's ire because ultimately, you know, over the course of, I think it's 10 years, potentially gives the IRS license to hire like upwards of 87,000 agents, right? And these are these are agents who arguably would, would come after, right, taxpayers like you and I or anyone else. This is middle class and lower, right, for audits and things like that. And so it kind of runs with this misnomer, right, this name of Inflation Reduction Act. And frankly, there's not a lot in it that looks like it really deals with inflation at all. Yeah, you know, a lot of conservatives I've seen online, they're calling it the uh, the Inflation Corruption Act, yeah. right? <laughs> and I think that certainly speaks to the, the 87 some odd IRS agents they're trying uh, to hire. It looks on reports I've seen at least that they're they're looking to focus on the middle class. Uh, and then, of course, I think we all saw that uh, that ad that was quickly taken down yeah. by the IRS <laughs> that said, you know, we're, we're going to arm you and you might yeah. need to use deadly force or something along those lines. Yeah. I might not be quoting it correctly, but uh, it was only a couple days up and then they took the ad down. So yeah. I think all of these little things tell us 
the intention, right, which is the federal government is yet again trying to expand uh, and trying to continue to clamp down on taxpayers. Uh, and this is this is bad news. Uh, I did see some of the uh, Texas state Democrat uh, lawmakers praising it and even, you know, taking credit saying, oh, hey, we're so glad we got to help work on this and we can't wait for it to, to reduce inflation. But, you know, for those who pay attention to economics, uh, inflation is caused by us increasing the money supply 80% mainly, right? You can argue supply chain issues in COVID, but the main reason was we printed trillions and trillions of dollars, which devalues the currency and causes inflation. And so uh, it, there's no way that a, a bill on the federal level that gives out more free money and subsidies is going to do anything to bring that down. If not, it, it actually might make it worse. We'll, we'll see. Sure. I think most people would agree with the argument that if you want to, you want to prevent the chief cause of inflation, you actually get government out of the way. You, you don't need them, right, to get further entrenched and involved in it and come up with excuses to spend more money, right? Spending is what got us here in the first place. It's the reason our grocery bills are higher and higher. It's the reason that gas prices, right, have just generally gone up. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's amusing in a very sad way, right, that something like this uh, passed through Congress and has now been signed um, signed into law. And I think we're still going to feel and we're going to reel from the effects of it here um, over the next few months, unfortunately. So, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I did uh, last thought on this. I, I did see the article where um, uh, Ford, you know, uh, added $8,500 to their electric vehicle like right. right after it was signed. So it's like <laughs> the corruption is 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 unbelievable, quite honestly. But uh, speaking of federal and state uh, problems, you actually recently wrote an article uh, talking about uh, Abbott's. Uh, and we recently had a report come out uh, that said, you know, there's $1,400 to, to bust these immigrants out. You want to expand on that and, and uh, talk about what the article is yeah, about? Yeah, sure. I mean, like if you're if you're a Texas taxpayer, right, odds are you are concerned about the ongoing border security issue, right? I don't, I don't think you can necessarily ignore that. Um, you might not know, however, uh, if you if you haven't, you know, like most mainstream media doesn't seem to necessarily be covering it in this way. But, you know. Governor Abbott's gotten a lot of um, a lot of notoriety over the last few months. He started in April, right? This kind of policy of of busing um, volunteers, right? It has to be noted. You have to if you're a, a migrant who has come over the border illegally, you have to volunteer to be put on a chartered bus, right? Paid for by taxpayers, and those those buses initially were only going to Washington D.C. Um, and then ever, uh, ever since kind of the rescindance of Title 42, right, or the remain in Mexico policy, um, that has now expanded beyond Washington, D.C. to New York City um, as well. Well, OK, that all that sounds great. A lot of kind of boisterous, you know, political positioning that comes with that. But man, wouldn't you know that that costs fourteen hundred dollars upwards of fourteen hundred dollars per bus rider. Right. And it, there's a few important notes that come with that. Right. It's like it, it's mainly that expensive because they, we offer uh, security personnel and all these chartered buses. But it would be cheaper to literally put these these individuals on a get a first class ticket right on a plane. You can charter a plane and send them to the same location and it would be cheaper for taxpayers. And, and moreover, like the. Abbott had told, right, there were people that kind of raised these criticisms and Abbott had said, well, we're going to privately raise funds, 
right? Yeah. For, for this initiative, similar to privately raising funds for his border wall initiative, right? That he announced, uh, I guess, over a year ago or whenever it was as a part of Operation Lone Star. Well, the reality is, is that as of mid-July, they've raised, I think it's like the mid 100,000 something dollar mark which is a drop in the bucket to the actual millions that this has already cost Texas taxpayers. And oh, by the way, right, the biggest takeaway, right, Tim, is that we are busing these people further into the United States. We're aiding, right? We're aiding the, the Biden administration. It's insane. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's I think there's a lot of conservatives out there who uh, they see this this act of political theater from from Abbott and they think, Hey, he's doing something. He's, you know, he's owning the libs, you know, we're sending, sure. we're sending the, the, the illegals up there. But the reality is, and I think most people saw these stories is the Biden administration were sneaking illegals all over the country in, in, in you know, late night, yeah. midnight planes anyways, they're disseminating illegals all over the United States. So really what Abbott is doing is he is helping the Biden administration push illegals right. further into our country at Texas taxpayer expense. Yeah. We're not solving the problem. The solution to the problem, the conservative solution to the problem, would be secure the border, which we allocated billions of dollars for. We still have not yet. You have, uh, I believe, uh, soon to be likely uh, Governor Lake, who, who says she's going to declare an invasion yeah. in January. There's been conservatives across the state saying Abbott needs to declare an invasion. And where we need to ship the illegals is back to Mexico or back to South America, uh, not to further disseminate them into the United States, because then we have all kinds of problems. We have, you know, our, our welfare system getting taken advantage of, and we have a lot of states where illegals can vote now. Right. And so it's to it's to the left's advantage to pull these illegals in, uh, and and there's not really a whole lot of feasible solutions besides securing the border and deporting these people back to where they came from, not helping the Biden administration out at taxpayers' expense. And so uh, I would like you know some conservatives kind of wake up uh, and and realize that although it looks good and it's fun to, to I'm sure listen to some of these these more northern cities who don't deal with this complain about it, the reality is it's not helping the problem at all. Yeah, I mean I think this. This issue speaks to a much broader issue, which is if you're a Texas taxpayer and you're concerned about the border, its security, right, um, the policies by which the federal government continues to ignore and Texas trying to stand in the gap, you should be concerned about how whether we are effectively and efficiently using taxpayer money, right? Un, an unprecedented amount was allocated by the lawmakers this last legislative session, right? Upwards of $3 billion. And then in the interim, they've allocated even more, nearly $4 billion for this effort, right? And that's not to say that that's not like worthwhile, but as taxpayers, we should, if, if we're not curbing, right, the, the current problem, if we haven't curbed it yet in Operation Lone Star, right, then we should be asking questions. Are we getting bang for our buck? And if we're not, lawmakers are about to come in for another legislative session. And they should, if they're not, they're not already thinking it, they should be asking the question on whether the $4 billion we spent on this was a wise use of money. And if it wasn't, if we're going to allocate more, how best and more efficiently can we allocate that money, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we will see, you know, we are just a few months away from the legislative session uh, and we will see. I'm not going to hold my breath. I don't think Abbott's going to declare uh, any, any kind of a border emergency or, or invasion, uh, but we will see how the, the Texas legislature deals with this in January and just how much more of that surplus they're going to use to yeah. further secure the border. Um, 
All right. Well, hey, make sure y'all, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, make sure you, um, you you go to the True Texas Project event that's taking place that Tim talked about earlier, Friday and Saturday there in Capel. Um, you can join him there, ask any questions or anything like that. Um, also, a new thing that we started here at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility is if you know of someone in Texas um, that you would consider a taxpayer champion, well, we've opened up the ability to nominate them uh, for that 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 title, if you will, uh, you can go to texastaxpayers.com slash nominate. We'd love to hear their story. We'd love to, to highlight what it is that they do to maybe inspire other Texans all around, all across the state. Um, of course, make sure to follow us on social media. So if you're not already, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Texas Taxpayers and then on Twitter uh, at Texas underscore taxpayers. And then, of course, you can also stay in the know if you're interested in, in the email. We do a weekly email called The Fiscal Note. It goes out on Fridays. It's jam-packed with information just like we covered today that's important to Texas taxpayers. You can find that at texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. And then we talked about it very briefly earlier, but if you have not reviewed and looked at our Texas Prosperity Plan, it's our three policy plan uh, that we're hoping lawmakers uh, will kind of run with this next legislative session. It deals with banning taxpayer-funded lobbying, eliminating the property tax, and then freezing state spending. So make sure you check that out at texastaxpayers.com slash TPP. All right. Well, that is our first taxpayer talk in the books. Uh, be sure and check back with us. We will be having these every Thursday at 530. Uh, so we can't wait to see you next week. Y'all have a good one. Take care. 